find this to be a hard time at Christmas time? Do you, Molly? Anybody? Okay, there's a couple of you. Was that a raised hand or was that a reaching up there at the window? Okay, so there are a couple. Oh, okay, three? Sometimes? Sometimes? Well, let's pray for that, for those for whom it's a difficult time. I'm going to ask Bob, because I've heard you pray before for people in that situation. It's not for me. It's a wonderful time, but I feel for those for whom it isn't. Anybody want to share why it's difficult? Those raise their hands? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this is the first year in 25 years that I won't be able to see them. Mm -hmm. So I'm just feeling that mm -hmm. um, separation. Mm -hmm. Okay. You're, you're, you'll be with Seth? Will you be with other people? Yes. And, okay. All right. Uh, Molly? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, for me, it just, um, when you have a dysfunctional family, it can just kind of bring out but it can happen can it that's what that's yeah. what Nate was saying it, it, that can happen to us and yeah, yeah. 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 All of a sudden, you're that tough generation. My parents are in Denver, so it's going me and all of us, most of us here. Not all of us, but we've lost problems with the overseas, and it's a lot of stuff in the family. So trying to lay what's new, and as my youngest daughter said, what happened to all our traditions? You know, things that you have to learn to shift that sometimes are hard. Naomi? It'll be a different Christmas for them, won't it? For Bill and Mary, who lost Ryan. Yes, that that is. Okay. Anybody else? Yes. Being alone. Been alone long. That's a tough. Tough walk, huh? Thank you for sharing that. Well, Bob? Put your hand on somebody that, that said they were, this is a tough time. Um, Robin back there. The main word I got was loneliness. You just shared loneliness and that, that really hurts. Especially on the holidays. That's worse than dysfunction. Being alone, being isolated, not having people to love you and celebrate you and have a sense of belonging, that's the core of the, the pain for those who do feel a lot of pain during the holidays. And you, you can be around people but still be incredibly lonely because they're not safe. You can't express yourself. So, Lord, we, we just thank you that you are with us. Mm -hmm. Jesus. You were despised and rejected, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. So you're not unaware of what it means to really hurt emotionally 
be betrayed and to be abandoned, do you understand <coughs> how painful that is? And I thank you that you're near the brokenhearted. Mm-hmm. Lord, you care about how we feel. You care about our pain. Mm-hmm. Lord, I just ask that you would touch everybody who needs a touch from you, Lord, um, where holidays are very painful for them. Lord, we pray that you not only be with them supernaturally and comfort them, but we also pray for divine appointments where they can connect with people in meaningful ways and receive love and receive encouragement to have meaningful bonds. Lord, we pray for peace and joy for them. In Jesus' name. I'm sorry, you, you, what's your name? I don't know. What's your name? I forget, I'm sorry. Julie. Julie, do you want to say any more about that? Because you're welcome to, you don't have to, but if you want to, so we can be thinking about you, you're welcome to if you'd like to. Was it hard for you to come here? You came here a couple weeks ago for the first time, right? Was it hard to do that? How did you feel when you got here? Pardon? Did you feel did you feel accepted or did you feel lonely or you just Uh-huh. Well, if there are things that we can do to help you, what might that be? Okay. If you want to tell somebody here what that might be, we'd, we'd like to hear so that we can help. And others that, that struggle. We're glad you're here. Hope, hope it, it can provide something that uh, not having a family. I have a family, and I know what family, the joy of family. So for someone who doesn't, that, that would be difficult. So we talk about the Christmas spirit. Do you feel it this season? Anybody see? Do you feel Christmas? What do you feel? Are people kinder? Yeah, I would say so. Anybody? Do you agree? Do you, do you find? I. It seems like it. There's something. There's a. There's a joy, often around. That, is that my fault? I just took it out. It's still working. Okay. Anything else? What about the Christmas spirit? Ann and I went to a Christmas concert.
concert at the Target Center last night, and it was just powerful. Yeah. Powerful. Yeah. Especially the second half, and just electric, and just really went out from from the Target Center even afterwards. It was just wonderful. Just wonderful. Isn't music during Christmas time powerful? It, it, listening, my my daughter texted me and she said, I'm listening to the Messiah this morning. Uh, yes, that's a good thing to do, listen to the Messiah at Christmas time. So there's something, there's something about the Christmas spirit. And so I'm asking you this morning if you have the Christmas spirit. And I, I ran off 25. Some of you don't like I outlines. You don't want to look, you want to look at me rather than looking at an outline, and uh, you can look at either one. We'll, we'll pass them out. And we're going to talk about the Christmas spirit. I'm asking you if you have the Christmas spirit, and if you read Luke chapter 1 and 2, you find that the Christmas spirit is the spirit. And we focus on Jesus, absolutely we focus on Jesus. But it's the spirit at work during Christmas that makes Jesus appeal to us. And so what I'll see in the passages in the scripture, what the Holy Spirit is doing at Christmas, and thank you. You're really looking out for people today, Naomi. You're So open your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. Somebody read chapter 1, verse 13 through 17. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will call him John, and he will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and in the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make people ready, prepared for the Lord. So before John knew God, God knew John, filled him with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. So he lived throughout his life with the Spirit of God moving as he grew as a young man, as he began to meditate alone in the wilderness. We don't know how long he meditated. He might have meditated in the desert for 10, 15 years, all by himself, before he ever married. I mean, before he ever began to minister. And here he was, listening to God through the Holy Spirit, and God filling him up. So was it his preaching that made the difference? Was it his demeanor? Was it his uh, looks? Was it what he had for breakfast and dinner and lunch? It was the Holy Spirit that made the difference in John the Baptist. 
He shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. Elijah had the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist had the Holy Spirit. Made the difference. Someone read verse 34 to 38. Chapter 1. So Mary was not asking as a skeptical person. She was asking for information. And the response she got was the Holy Spirit. How shall this be? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The Most High God will overshadow you. There's a trinity right there. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit coming upon Mary giving her a remarkable birth. What people thought was a moment of passion truly was a moment of passion. It was the Holy Spirit moving in her body. The Holy Spirit is God's answer to every human impossibility. You have an impossibility in your situation, what's the answer? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will turn around whatever is impossible for you and make it possible. For with God, all things are possible. I love Mary's response. It literally says, behold. It doesn't say I am, just behold. The bond slave. Doulos. Behold the bond slave of the Lord. Okay. You're going to do that? Behold. The bond slave. She she surrenders herself absolutely to the work of the Holy Spirit in her life. She says, if you're going to do this, you can use my body to do it. So here's a man who's got a donkey, and, and Jesus needs a donkey. You can use my donkey. Here's a man who's rich, and he's got a grave. And he says, God, you can use my grave. Here's a woman who's got anointment and Jesus isn't going to be anointed and Jesus is concerned about it because he's a Jewish man and he's concerned about the anointing and he's not going to get anointed because they don't have a clue what's going on and a woman says he can use my anointment so what do you have that the Holy Spirit can use you have a body you have a home you have a car you have property you have an intellect you have a talent you have a skill you have something you can say behold the bondservant of the Lord. Holy Spirit, use me. Use whatever I've got for your purposes. I'm a servant. I'm a slave. I'm available for whatever you want. That's what Mary said. She just surrendered, and the Holy Spirit did his thing in her body. Read verse 39 through 45, someone. Mary got ready. 
hill country of Judea where she entered Zacharias' home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will, would fulfill his promises to her. So, it appears that Mary went without Joseph. Does Joseph know now that she is pregnant? I suspect that as soon as she got the word, she told Joseph. Joseph didn't believe her. Joseph is going to put her away, which must have terrorized her. God takes responsibility to communicate to Joseph. And thank God that he responded, he listened, and he obeyed. And so he took her. But it says they had no relations. That means for nine months. Call it self-control until she delivered the Messiah. And so Mary, at some point, says to Joseph, I need to go see my aunt. So she leaves and goes, it's 80 miles. And as she's stepping into the house where Elizabeth is, Elizabeth has just come out of seclusion. How long was she in seclusion? Hmm? Five months, close. So she's just coming out of seclusion. Good timing of the Lord, good timing of the Holy Spirit to lead in this way. So she's there, ready to receive her. Mary steps in the door and says, Hi, Elizabeth. At that moment, a kick. John the Baptist is filled with the Holy Spirit. This is an incredibly remarkable moment. Here is Jesus, less than a centimeter long, in Mary. And here is John. You know how big he is? He's as big as a papaya. You know how I know? Because I know somebody who is carrying a child. And I said, how big? And they said, the doctor said about as big as a papaya. <laughs> so it's the same amount of time. And so here is John responding to the presence of Jesus in the womb. And at that moment, Elizabeth receives revelation about that child over here, Jesus, and begins to proclaim. Listen to what she says. She has revelation that Mary is, is carrying the Son of God. Incredible. And she, she makes it not about herself, I'm carrying a great man. Blessed is she who believed what the angel said to her. God told her that, it looks like in a moment, in a, in a spiritual moment. The Holy Spirit is so directing what is going on here that the Holy Spirit gives gifts of prophecy. Read the last part of the chapter now. 
verse 40, uh, 64 to 67. I'll read it. Immediately, his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed. Immediately, what, ha- what was happening? Nine months of time out for not responding properly to the Lord, to the angel. And now his mouth is loosed and he blessed God. And fear came upon all the neighbors and all those all these things were talked about throughout the hillside of Judea. And all who heard laid them in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was upon him. And his father, Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. He's not stuttering now. He's not saying the wrong thing now. He's proclaiming this glorious hymn about God's salvation coming to his people. How did he do it? The Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit filled him up, gave him the ability to speak. One more. Turn to chapter 2. Somebody read it. 2, Yeah, I'll say it. So here's this old man. The Lord had already spoken to him prophetically. Said that you're not going to die until you see the Lord's Christ, until you see the Messiah. So now something stirs in his heart. How long had he been waiting? We don't know. He's an old man. Been maybe 30 years, maybe 50 years. And God says to him, this is the moment. When the Asbury students were praying for revival on their campus. They were praying every day for many months. They were gathered at 3 a.m. in the morning. They were holding hands. There were 17 of them. This was February 2nd, 1970. And one of the young men said, we can stop praying. He's coming tomorrow. And so they they went back to their room, slept, came in chapel, and he came the next day. He had heard properly. He'd heard rightly. They sh- shut down classes for three weeks, day and night, while students, under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, were confessing their sins. The president was away. The administrator called the president and said, we've shut down classes. Have we done the right thing? And he said, yeah, I think you, it sounds like you have. He came back the second day and snuck in 11 o'clock at night, sat at the upper edge of the chapel. There were still 500 kids out of the 1,000 there at 11 o'clock at night. And it sure looked like revival to him. And one of the young girls came over and sat next to him 
and said, President, I'm a liar. She was under such conviction that who, who brought that conviction? The Holy Spirit moved on the campus after many months of praying and brought conviction to these students. And so for three weeks, day and night, they were confessing their sins to one another. They started going out on weekends around the country to churches, to campuses, and they would share their story. They went to one church, and the pastor was a little nervous even having them there. And they said, we don't, we don't have to give our testimony. We're, we've done what we're supposed to do. We're here. And they said, well, I'll give you three minutes. So three of them got up, and they shared their testimony for three minutes, and they sat down, and the pastor said, I'm glad that's over with. And he called on the, the quartet to sing. The quartet got up to sing. The bass, before he sang, he said, I want what they've got. That's all it took. The place broke open, and that church went past the pastor and experienced revival because God was pouring out his spirit on people. Same thing was happening in Southern California. It was happening in our church. It was happening at Prince of Peace Lutheran. It was happening five miles away at a little country church on the edge of town called Calvary Chapel. God was pouring out his spirit and hippies were pouring into church, barefooted. A pastor named Chuck Smith who had a little church on the, and literally it was on the edge of town. It's between Santa Ana and Costa Mesa. I know right where it is. Now it's, it's 25,000. Then it was maybe 80 or 100. And his wife got through to him and said, you need to invite these people in. You need to welcome them in. So they opened the door and they started pouring in. Why? Because the Holy Spirit convicted people and gave them a desire, a thirst to know God. And he opened the doors and people came in. So I'm out with my friend late at night on a golf course and we're singing up a storm because God's doing wonderful things at Prince of Peace Lutheran. And uh, as we walk back toward the, toward the street, um, this is late at night, a man says, hey guys, we thought we were in trouble, and so we uh, came to him. And he said, I've not heard singing like that since I was in Lausanne, Switzerland at the evangelism conference. What's going on? And he yeah, he wanted to know why we were singing. I said, well, we're experiencing revival. The next morning, we were on the radio because that was uh, the Haven of Rest, one of the Haven of Rest quartet guys who was <coughs> announcing about the revival on the radio, and he told about this work that's happening at Prince of Peace and at Calvary Chapel. What, what was that all about? It was about the Holy Spirit simply stirring in the hearts of people. It happened in the Hebrides when two elderly people, Peggy and Christine, were praying for years for God to pour out a spirit in these islands of Scotland, to the west of Scotland. They prayed and prayed and prayed. Prayed for God to bring revival like what we're doing. They were so convinced that it was happening that they talked to the pastor and said, we need to start praying together. So he responded to that with three nights of prayer during the week. Then they encouraged him to invite Duncan Campbell to come. He came and had a 
kind of a regular service one night. And then they said, we're going to stay up and pray. So they stayed up and prayed. And he was tired from traveling, but he was willing to pray. At 3 o'clock, he left that prayer meeting and is walking home. And he looked out on the fields, and he said, every light of every house was on at 3 a.m. What was happening? They were under conviction of sin, and God was dealing with them. He, he walked by people on the road who were crying out to God for mercy. The next day, he preached at Sunday morning at the church. Same thing was happening. People were under conviction. He, people came to him and said, you need to come to the police department because there are people there in terror asking for mercy from God. Would you come and help out? So he came and he found these people crying out to God. What was that all about? It was the Holy Spirit that was at work. That's what I'm expecting to happen in the Twin Cities. It happened in one moment in Nineveh when a whole town was dramatically changed because the Holy Spirit moved on people. I can't convict people of sin. I preach sermons where I've tried before. I confess that. I'm not the convictor. The Holy Spirit is. He will convict of sin and righteousness and judgment. He was powerfully at work here. We know Jesus was right at the center, and we keep him at the center. But what was going on? Jesus, or the Holy Spirit, was touching a John the Baptist to get him ready while he's still in the womb. The Holy Spirit was touching a Zachariah and giving him a song to sing that was a real song after he talked when he shouldn't have. The Holy Spirit was moving on Mary's body. The Holy Spirit was touching Simeon eight days later after the birth and having him pronounce, Lord, I can go now. Mine eyes have seen yourself. How do you know? The Holy Spirit told him, this is the Christ. And then Anna comes walking in. It's the Holy Spirit. It's so active. Where Christ is born now, we're praying that the Holy Spirit. It's strange. But I, I heard the Lord say again a few days ago about this place. That I'm coming powerfully to this place. And it will have worldwide implications. That doesn't make sense for a little place like this. It will have worldwide implications. I'm sharing this about revival and about the work of the Holy Spirit because I'm convinced in my heart that history is going to be written about it. Why? Because we're hot stuff. Just the opposite. We're nothing. God uses nobodies to do powerful things. And so I, I want to be submissive like Mary. Say, okay, you going to do that? I can't do it. But you did it in Nineveh. You did it in Southern California. You did it at Asbury College. That people went around and started revival where they went. What were they? Were they were nothing. They were just sharing their te- three-minute testimony. And God used it to change a church. God's not limited in this hour. We're not looking to our government to make it happen. Did you hear what I just said? It's not up to our government. It's up to the people of God, filled with the Holy Spirit. And then God says, okay. So I'm sharing about the, what is the Christmas spirit? The, Holy, the Christmas spirit is the Holy Spirit. And we say yes to the Spirit of God. And say like Mary, behold, the bondservant of the Lord. Do whatever do whatever you want to do. You can do, you can do it in my family. 
You can do it in my body. You can have my, you can have my car. You can have my possessions. Take whatever you want and do whatever you want to do. I believe the time is going to come when we're going to see conviction all over the city. When people are literally crying out to God for mercy and will connect with them or someone else, some other church will connect with them and help them find a way to Jesus. So I'm thankful for the birth of Jesus. Thankful that Jesus came. Thankful that the Holy Spirit was powerfully at work through that whole time, touching people, getting them ready to prophesy, getting them ready to speak. The reason I called on Levi to speak is because he has a prophetic gift. I think you all have the prophetic gift because you have the Holy Spirit. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. So I want to just close by having a time of prayer and asking the Holy Spirit to stir deeply in our hearts that in this season we'll be quiet, as we've, we've said, but we'd be, I'm actually quieter because I'm praying more, because I'm conscious of the fact that God is going to do something that we couldn't possibly do. We can't change this community. We can't change this neighborhood. We can't change this city. But God will. And some of us are convinced that he's going to. And he's going to do it soon. And I want to be ready to be a part of it. And the Holy Spirit gives us gifts so that in those times, we can say the right thing. We can say prophetic words. We can say healing words. We're coming close to the time when we're going to stop cancer cold. Because God, is, God has told us that, that that's what we, what we need to do. In this season, we'll need to have the gifts of the Spirit operating in us because it will be coming so powerful, you know, an onslaught of righteousness. So, any response before we go to prayer here? Any? Okay. Call it awakening, call it revival. It's a move of God made possible by the invisible Holy Spirit who moves among his people, prepares them, and then moves in a dark world and turning people around so that they confess their sins and cry out for righteousness. Father, we thank you that you use humble, obedient servants like a teenage girl to accomplish your purpose who was so pure that she said, I, how can this be? I, I don't have a husband. Well, he, he, she was betrothed. She was so, so naively righteous and pure that she just said, okay, go ahead and do whatever you want to do. Lord, we want to be that submitted. We want to be that open to your spirit. Have your way, oh God. Have your way in this little community and do whatever you want to do because you find people that are saying, okay, if that's what you want to do, you can use us.
The grace of what? Let's do that now, just as best we can. In our own hearts. You can do it quietly, or you can you can pray a prayer. But to to truly, like Mary did, truly yield to what the Spirit of God wants to do in your life, in your body, in your ministry, in your family. That how, however that means to you, that you yield that purpose to be accomplished. Mm -hmm. You still have your communion. 
We're going to have communion now. And uh, what a wonderful way to yield to the Lord as we take and eat the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we remember how our Lord Jesus Christ, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The same way also he took the cup after supper. After giving thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the new covenant of my blood, shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Remembering his love for us, his words for us, we speak and say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not in temptation. Deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Instead of us delivering it now to you, half of you can come up to the front and take the bread and then the cup, and then half of you can go into the back to Tabitha and Nick. Join with all nations. 
nurture in man in full witness to thy great faithfulness mercy and love great is thy faithfulness great is thy faithfulness morning by morning new mercies i see all i have needed thy and hath provided great is thy faithfulness lord unto me i'm gonna speak a blessing over you and a blessing uh, of the holy spirit the life of the spirit the work of the spirit the release of the spirit my prayer is that your expectation level will go up in these days. My expe expectation level has shot up in these last months. Not for anything that I will do, but that God will do among us and around us. And a lot of it through us. So I bless you with an openness to his spirit. I bless you with an aliveness him in these days, for him to speak his words to you and through you, for you to be open to the gifts of the Spirit flowing through you, open to the gift of prophecy, open to the gift of healing, open to wisdom flowing through you, touching other people. I bless you that you have a radical openness to the Spirit of God to move in you and through you with others. I, I bless you with boldness. Not brashness, but boldness to speak when you're called to speak. You'll find that the words are there when they need to be there. That God will give you what you need for the moment. You don't need to know ahead of time. You'll know at the time. Zechariah knew when it was time to speak, and he spoke powerfully. You will know when you're supposed to speak. You'll know what the Lord will give you what you need to say. Have confidence in him in this hour. Have confidence in the moving of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. And he will give you what you need. I bless you with an openness to move in dramatic ways or in commonplace ways, whatever the situation. So the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord, look upon you with his favor and grant you his peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>